Good morning, Maple Ridge Alliance Church. Good to see everybody this morning. There we go. I just want to pray before we start, so if you'd join me. Father, I just thank you for a new day. Uh, Father, thank you for the songs that we've sung, uh, all pointing to you and how awesome and amazing and wonderful you are. We thank you and praise you for your presence with us. We thank you and praise you for your love for us, shown to us through Jesus Christ. Father, as we look at your word, I just ask that you would speak to our hearts, teach us, convict us, and spur us on to act it out. Put it into practice. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, when you hear the word grace, uh, what would come to mind? A lady's name? A period of time when you don't have to make a loan payment? There should be more of those. Something you say before you eat a meal. Pastor and author Chuck Swindoll defines grace as, uh, grace is God's favor shown to those of us who don't deserve it, cannot earn it, and will never be able to repay it. Now, that's a simple definition, but in, in my books, that is a pretty, a pretty good definition of what grace is, particularly as it pertains to God's grace. And this morning, we're going to look at God's grace, an amazing Revelation, And the passage that we're looking at is in the book of Titus. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. And I'm just going to read verse 11 and the first part of verse 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows or demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the first point in this sermon is, is that God's grace reveals an amazing salvation. We see the words has appeared there. That's something that's happened in the past. Specifically, Jesus Christ came, and we're going to celebrate that in about a month's time, Christmas time. And when he came, he accomplished and completed everything that needed to be accomplished and completed in regards to and in order to, for a person to be saved, to be forgiven, to be part of God's family, and to be right with God. That is what Jesus meant when, as he was dying on the cross, fully bearing on himself all of my sins and all of your sins, he said three words. It is finished. And those are amazing words because everything that needed to happen in order for us to be right with God was accomplished through Jesus Christ when he went to the cross for us. 
And it's a message for those of us who are saved. Remember, this is what has been done for you. We've been given grace. God has shared his grace with us through Jesus Christ. And he asks us to share that grace with others. To make that grace known. And as we look in the world around us today, I I would say, man, does that grace need to be shared and to be known. Many, maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ. I would say the same thing. God has done everything for you to be right with him and to know that you can be right with him through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. So this is an amazing, an amazing salvation. And it's something that, that you know, as we sung earlier, just praise and worship to God for doing that. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus Christ to take our sins upon himself so we don't have to try and deal with it ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but that is a tall order <laughs> to try and deal with that alone. Secondly, God's grace reveals amazing instruction. In verse 12 of Titus 2, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Ephesians 5, 15 and 20 says, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as wise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and spiritual songs, singing and making melody uh, in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God, this is Paul talking, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than all of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul wasn't standing up on a podium and saying, Hey, look at me, look at all the things I'm doing. He recognized Everything that flowed out of them, everything that he said, everything that he did from the moment he got saved was entirely and totally by the grace of God. And so we see it's an amazing instruction. It teaches us about this new life that Jesus brings us, that Jesus offers us. It's a new life, and more importantly, how to live it. How to live it. Uh, There's a story I want to read to you. Uh, and it's from a long time ago. Uh, in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, Brennan Manning shares the following story about Fiorello Lagardia. I'm guessing probably he's Italian. Uh, Lagardia, who, when he was the mayor of New York City during the worst days of the Great Depression and all of World War II, was called by adoring New Yorkers the Little Flower because he was five foot four inches tall and always wore a carnation in his lapel. He was a colorful character, 
who used to ride the New York City fire trucks, raid the speakeasies with the police department, take entire orphanages to baseball games, and whenever the New York newspapers were on strike, he would go on the radio and read the Sunday funnies, we call them comics today, to the kids. He sounds like a pretty amazing, uh, a pretty amazing politician in my books. Uh, one bitterly cold night in January of 1935, the mayor turned up at a night court that served the poorest ward of the city. LaGuardia dismissed the judge for the evening and he took over the bench himself. Within a few minutes, a tattered old woman was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told LaGuardia that her daughter's husband had deserted her, her daughter was sick, and her two grandchildren were starving. But the shopkeeper from whom the bread was stolen refused to drop the charges. It's a real bad neighborhood, Your Honor, the man told the mayor. She's got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. $10 or 10 days in jail. But even as he pronounced the sentence, the mayor was already reaching into his pocket. He extracted a bill and tossed it into his famous sombrero, saying, here is the $10 fine, which I now remit. And furthermore, I am going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so that her grandchildren can eat. I love that part. That's awesome. Uh, Mr. Bailiff, please collect the fines and give them to the defendant. That's grace. That is what grace is. So the following day, the New York newspapers reported that $47.50 not much today, 1935, different story, was turned over to a bewildered old lady who had stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandchildren. 50 cents of that amount being contributed by the red-faced grocery store owner, <laughs> while some 70 petty criminals, people with traffic violations, and New York City policemen, each of whom had just paid 50 cents for the privilege of doing so, gave the mayor a standing ovation. And the standing ovation part is not what I'm looking at. The part is the mayor providing something that the old lady could not provide herself. She couldn't, but he stepped in. We cannot do anything about our sin issue. We may think we can. Sometimes we act like we can. But we can't. Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, took care of that. That's what grace is. It's not Jesus coming uh, because he waited for all of us to get our act together. It's he came. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love while we were still sinners. Not while we were getting our act together. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says he comes to bring life, and it's abundant life. It's a life with purpose. It's a life with meaning. Imagine li living a life knowing, hey, all the things that I've done that I'm not proud of, 
all the things that I'm currently doing that I'm not proud of, and the things that I will inevitably do <laughs> down the road that I'm not proud of. It's been taken care of. Myself, yourselves, and God, it's good. The slate's clean. There's a right standing. There's a good standing. That's grace. That's grace. In the hymn, Amazing Grace, there's a line that states, "'Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far." And it's not just in the past that Jesus has come and he went to the cross and he died on a cross for us to provide us that grace. When we trust Christ as our Lord and Savior, that grace gives us the ability to live, sustains us in this present life. And it instructs it, it us how we should live this new life that we can have through Jesus Christ. Remember 1 Corinthians 15.10 that I just read. Paul speaking, by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than all of them, though it was not I. It is the grace of God that is with me. Paul took zero credit for anything he said, for anything he did. Pointed everything, everything, Back to God. And it's the same with grace. And and, and it's such a broad topic. The fact that we're all sitting here, breathing. It's God's grace. And it just, it, 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 (laughs) such a deep impact. Uh, Lastly, this grace of God is revealed as amazing motivation. Titus 2.13 says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christmas is coming up. We celebrate when Jesus came the first time. Somewhere down the road here, Jesus is coming back again. And, and, and Titus just doesn't say, Hey, Jesus is coming back again. Look at the words that he uses. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And notice there it doesn't say, while we wait for the appearing of our great moral teacher. It doesn't say, while we wait for the appearing of our great prophet. While we wait for the appearing of, hey, he's a good guy. It says, the appearing, we wait for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh, who came and went to a cross, and he died on that cross for our sins, and he rose again from the dead. Dying on the cross took care of our sins. Him rising from the dead, we have hope, because Jesus is alive, and he's coming back. And in John 14, he says, I'm coming back, I'm going to take you to be with me. That's awesome. That's awesome, amen? Amen. Yeah. Good. That's great. (laughs) Another line in Amazing Grace simply states this, and grace will lead me home. In closing, let me sum up. God's grace 
is an amazing revelation. We become right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we can be saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. God's grace saves us. We're instructed by, and we can live to please God, because through faith in Christ, God's grace can sustain us. And I've talked with, 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 with some of you and, and just some of the things that you shared about things that are going on in your life. And, 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 and the common thing in the conversation is, yeah, this is going on. Yeah, I'm going through this. But Jesus is with me. And his grace is, his grace is seeing me through. And, I mean, just look at the life of Paul. I mean, shipwrecked and beaten up and tossed in jail and, and all sorts of other wonderful things. And, and he's talking about grace. Grace. I mean, read Philippians. He wrote that while he was shackled to a Roman guard. And what does it talk about? Rejoicing and joy, and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's God's grace. We're instructed by it. We can live to please God because through faith in Christ, God's grace sustains us. We can be motivated. Motivation. What, what is motivated? Like when we're motivated to say something or to do something, like what's happening? The, the way I look at it is that, that you're focused. It's like, I am, okay, I don't care what's going on here. I am going to do or to say, and I, I'm into. I, uh, today it's, it's in the zone. It's in the zone. Not concerned with anything else going on. This is going to get done. And, and our whole energy and our whole focus is on that particular thing. Jesus is coming back again. Good motivation. Matthew 24, 42 tells us to be prepared because we don't know when that's going to happen. Jesus is coming back again. God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ can secure us. I'm here, but I know where I'm going, and I know where I'm going to be. And thank you, God, for sending Jesus and making that possible. We have a glorious eternity in the presence of God forever in heaven to look forward to. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul again. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the imperishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the present. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God that enables us to live a life with meaning and purpose. It enables us to live a life that pleases God, that honors God. 
Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And again, you look at the things that Paul endured as he kept trudging along and going from here and there and there and sharing the grace of God with people. And the grace of God isn't just something that God's done with us, done for us. Uh, more importantly than that, the grace of God is a person. It's a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. For the grace of God has appeared, offering salvation to all people. Doesn't mean that everybody's going to be saved, but everything that has been done, as I mentioned earlier, that needed to be done in order for a person to be right with God was accomplished in Christ. But we're not all robots. We, we make choices and don't make choices every single day. Some choices turn out well, <laughs> some choices not so much. And that's, that's the wrestling match this side of heaven, that, that all of us. But we have the Lord Jesus Christ. He's taken care of everything for us in order that we might be saved, that we might become new people, that we might become part of his family and, and have that purposeful, meaningful life. And I would say, again, to, to those of us who who are, have trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior. Some of this probably sounds very familiar. But are we living in that grace? More importantly, are we sharing that grace? Because I don't know about you, but I know sometimes uh, when I look back, maybe how I presented myself was maybe a little more legalistic. You know, the great big list of do's and don'ts. That's not what grace is all about. God demonstrates his love while we were still doing our own thing. Don't want anything to do with you, God. I'm going to do my own thing. Christ died for us. And God wants us to share. He wants us to share that grace with our family, with our friends, those we work with in our community. Those who don't know Jesus Christ, I, I would simply say, and, 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 and this is one of my favorite verses, is, is 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Now is the time for salvation. That's what it talks about. It's not force-feeding anything. It's this has been done. This is what God has done, has done everything that needs to be done in order for a person to be right with God. We have to trust we believe, we accept. And for a gift to be meaningful, you have to accept it. Right? I mean, I, I could stand up here with, with a million dollars in my hand and say, hey, Rob, got a million dollars for you. If Rob just sits there, I mean, and I'm still Rob, this, if Rob comes up, however, and takes that, that's a whole different story. God has taken the initiative and provided everything a person needs to be saved. And it's through and only through 
Jesus Christ, him coming, him dying on a cross, him rising again from the dead. That's what it's all about. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time. Uh, Father, we thank you for your grace. Jesus did not have to come, um, but he did. Jesus did not have to go through what he went through for each one of us, but he did. And it was out of love for us, Father. I thank you and I praise you for the wonderful grace, your grace, that is in a person, Jesus Christ, whom you sent for us. Father, I pray that today, if we know him, that we would be, we would be encouraged to, to, to be bold for you, Father, in sharing that grace with others and then living that grace before others. Father, for those here who don't know you, I pray, now is the day of salvation. I pray that people would, would believe and trust and accept that grace of yours, which is Jesus Christ. I ask all these things in his name. Amen.